Thursday, August 16th. This is Postmarktum X7, and I'm Scott Southern. And I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Scott, my friend, H-A-K-A-S, had a kick-ass summer. Oh, what a summer it oh, was. Oh, it was, it was a great summer. You know, I went to the community pool. I saw all the summer blockbusters. Uh, I went to camp. Oh, I just, and I got bored. And, uh, and now we're at the end. And we're, we're, we got the cherry on top, just like we've had for the past 30 years of summers. Summer Slam is here. Have Hey, Scott, H-A-K-A-S-S, have a kick-ass Summer Slam. I think we're about to. I think we might. I'm pretty... I feel good. I feel good. You I feel, feel good? good? Going in. Yeah. yeah. Not great, but good. I feel good. I, it's a, cause it, I always feel like you go into Summer Slam and you're like, you're like... Uh, you know, it's it's gonna be a good show. I think I'm not like full on invested in all the storylines going into it, just because the summer just seems so slapdash. It seems like it doesn't. It's everybody's putting their feet up. Hey, yeah. hey, maybe the maybe the writers all went to see Mission Impossible Six. They probably did. A couple right? weeks ago. Yeah, they went to summer camp. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> maybe they uh, you know, maybe they all got. Their first kiss, first, uh, first, second base experience. Their first HJ. They mm-hmm. gave their first HJ. Yep, yep. I got fingered for the first time this summer. That summer sounds like camp. a kick-ass summer. <laughs> it was a real. It was a real. <laughs> have a fingering ass summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, SummerSlam is gonna be cool. <laughs> Dude, it's totally gonna be great. But I mean, hey, you know what? You know what? This is. This has really just been for me. I've had such a great August and like end of July, just because I've been, I've been waking up on the days that I wake up early and I don't have to go to work. I just pop in front of the TV and I've just been watching that G one. Oh yeah, and dude, for me, it on the on the days that I do work, I've been throwing on kind of the, the early matches of the cards. Yeah, you know, watching the bad luck fall a matches and and all of that. It's been like a really nice like. All right, it's on in the background. I'm doing my job, but then I'm looking over now and then and watching Fale hit some of the chair. It's it's great. It's great background noise. So we had the finals last weekend. Kota Ibushi. La, I mean, the story coming out of the B block, he went over Kenny. He beat his guy. Four-way Kenny. tie, baby. Oh, Four-way tie God. in that block. That's nuts. And... You know what? Even the guys that weren't tied look fucking great. Ishii looked amazing. Mm-hmm. Zack Sabre looked great the entire time. Um, but, yeah, Ibushi coming out of that B block, and you kind of, I figure he's going in there. First of all, I didn't think he was going to be facing Tanahashi. Me either. Tanahashi's the sleeper. Um he and Okada draw in the finals, so Tanahashi goes in there. And God, that last that match between them was first and foremost stellar. Absolutely, the match of the A block, without a doubt. Yes, one hundred percent. And uh, and Kenny and fucking Kota like stake their claim for being one of the top of of the B block. Yeah, definitely. It was kind of. I mean, it was uh, pretty predictable that those two were the last two matches. We know that those are the marquee. names on each of those blocks and we're all salivating for it yeah that's what we want out of it and i kind of love how the g1 like gives you these matches but they don't quite count they're not like yeah you know the kenny okada one it was that match was great uh but it was a half hour and it wasn't for a belt it wasn't for a belt and it kind of last year all it ended up doing really was just like giving kenny an edge within the Mm storyline and you know, I think that that it's something that WWE does often, where they have the champions lose in non-title matches on TV, and it's something that I'm not a big fan of, um, because you know, it's to me it happens too often. Sure. Yeah, and I was thinking about that a lot with the G1 because it gives everybody a really nice. No one's swept, right? It mm-hmm. gives everybody a nice time to trade wins, to build stories, to like set up the next half a year. I mean, you—it's like it's—it's—it kind of just works itself out in a way where it's like 
everybody's going through the tournament. Everybody's like going to have like off days. You're just wrestling so much. It's not like you're wrestling weekly and you lose on, on raw. It's like baseball, man. Yeah. It's a really interesting, a really interesting take on, on a a sport quote unquote that in general, like the way that wrestling presents itself is that everyone in loss is do or die in general right like you need to win every match you want to win every single right, match right in the g1 it's kind of like you're expecting you're going to lose a couple it's okay yeah. to lose a couple totally yeah and the baseball analogy you know that's really good you win 100 games you're that's great that, that's you know you're going to win your division that still means you lost 60 yeah you that's that's not a perfect ratio by any means it's not as good of a ratio as a lot of other sports but it works great in the G1. Yeah, and I feel like there were there were some very, you know, important losses. Omega losing to Ishii, setting up like a title shot for Ishii somewhere down the line. And then losing to Ibushi, which to me, you know, and I think everybody out there kind of like telegraphed day, all right, well, Ibushi's gonna go on and, and he's gonna he's gonna win the finals and then he's gonna have the title match. And fucking you can't count out Tanahashi. Uh, never. You can never count on Tanahashi. And I love what Tanahashi gave in that match. Just the when he starts to get pissed off, when he starts to get like in Ibushi's face, and it was a really helpful, you know, to have uh, some of the backstory from Kevin Kelly and uh, Rocky Romero just being like, you know, Tanahashi's been critical of Ibushi. Tanahashi doesn't yeah. like the way he's like not committed to New Japan. He doesn't like that he's hanging out with all these white dudes. And then you see Tanahashi like get in his face a little bit. Like, come on, kid. Like, yeah. you want to fucking, you want to take me down or when what? When they start going at it with those slaps and those elbows, yeah. it was so absurd. Tana looked insane there yeah just when he's like flexing Uh and just like putting his like shoulders forward and yeah that match was that match was pretty unbelievable um and the slaps are kind of like when it really like that's when it changes yeah it turns into and i just like i i just love what them when they when they turn it on you just you have no idea how long it's gonna go yeah and you it's 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 such a funny thing in all those big name those marquee new japan matches that you know exactly you can feel the moment that it turns and as soon as it does every you know that there's going to be a stretch of of false finishes or like big impact moves that could end the match but won't and it's such an interesting thing to fall right into i think maybe the reason a lot of the reason that i really love new japan in general is because of the way those the end sequences of those matches just in the kill all kayfabe or yeah. k- kill all all like uh smarky smarkiness that i have and i'm immediately just like oh my god who's gonna win this match so every single yeah. big move here could win this match and i think too that it's like it's m- more often than not like what ends it it's not it's not necessarily just like oh he hit his big move like you know, maybe for the second time and like, that's it. There's really just an air of like defeat. You can see that he, you know, the opponent is like taking his last blow. Yeah. And that's it. You don't see many like quick pins in those big matches or anything like that. It's just like, you see the pin happening and you're just like, that's it. The, the, The guy that's underneath here is fucking dead. Yeah, it's like a good boxing match. It's like watching someone just take that those last couple of a of a combo, and you're just like, oh no, that was that's the one that led that's gonna lead to the loss here. Totally, you can watch it happen. And you know, Tanahashi, Tanahashi's the fucking John Cena of New Japan, and I was watching that match and just thinking, like, this is awesome. Like seeing him really like have another run, like he's going to another tokyo dome yeah and you know he looks amazing and he put like so much into that and i and i i like that idea too that he's kind of been he's kind of been at the the top of the mid card for the past couple of years and now he's back and he's bringing a lot with him and the pairing with him and kenny is i mean it's Perfect. so great I mean, old guard kenny, new guard Kenny's going against Okada for a long time, but oh, this is Okada's, you know, greatest opponent save for Ken, for Kenny is Tanahashi, and you know maybe maybe that's 
even an underselling of what Tanahashi and Okada represent. Yeah. But what I do like about it, and as I'm watching it and, you know, going in thinking that Ibushi is is going to win because, like, this is the storyline that they've been building, as Tanahashi is, like, proving, you know, the fact that he belongs there and then stretching beyond that, I'm thinking, like, I could watch this because I will always be ready for Ibushi and Omega, it doesn't have to happen yet. This is a six-year build that's going on here. And here's my segue, the fact that we've got some very good storylines going into SummerSlam right now. And the one that I feel like most invested as an audience member is the Becky Lynch chasing the SmackDown women's title mm-hmm. right now. Charlotte comes in here almost seeming like she doesn't belong, almost feeling like she's only there because you need to have Charlotte on that card. And I'm kind of thinking like, you know what? I could wait. I could watch Becky chase after the a much truer champion than Carmella in pursuit of that belt. Yeah. So obvious I think that's I think that's a really good point. I think Becky whoever wins this match and this triple threat it's it's going to be great whatever it's going to be it's going to be a lovely match the having a one-on-one match for that chance as soon as it became a triple threat match i my hopes and dreams were dampened a bit for becky right because it seems like clearly charlotte wins this now or even if she doesn't it's you know triple threat wins don't mean the same thing Mm -hmm. as a one-on-one pinning victory for a championship and so I think that here in this case Charlotte can win this belt and and a rivalry between these two best friends means so much more than beating kind of a chicken shit Carmella who's yeah, who's been absolutely. great at what she's doing but we're all we'll kinda, never we're have the gravitas. You know this is like this I think that Carmella having the belt when she's had it it's like it makes sense right like let her have it and carry it for the summer i think that we're we've we've seen it happen and we've seen it go and there's nothing disagreeable about it but it's like all right now it's time for something else and you know i like the idea too that when you introduce a triple threat you introduce the idea that maybe you know maybe charlotte kind of wins a belt in a way that's like not exactly uh you know the most uh, sportswoman-like way to win a belt. Hey, the rules, the the shackles are off here in a triple threat. I love Turn that. Turnabout is yeah. fair play. You could do kind of anything in in these matches, right? There's no DQ, and who really knows what's gonna happen here? Maybe a, a couple of shenanigans might uh might come into play. It could happen. It could happen. Hey, anything could happen. At SummerSlam, I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to this night. We're gonna go to your house. Hey, gonna you're gonna watch. come over to my house. Oh yeah, we're gonna watch it. It's gonna be. I got two TVs. What? Yeah, I'm gonna put them both on. Whoa! I think it's gonna be pretty cool. I think I I think I'll I think I'll only watch one of them. I bet that's true. I think that's probably but, uh, true. I want nice to put one by the options. snacks. Oh yeah. You know, probably have like a kitchen table with some put chips and guac the, you put it in the refrigerator oh that's a pretty that? chill move yeah when you yeah. gotta grab a cold one well hey i mean let, let, let's talk about the reason that we're uh that we're that we're coming into the building at the barclays center we got we got that title match we got brock lesnar that's the big one versus roman reigns for the wwe universal championship match now of course there is the possibility that we have a, you know, we, we've got Kevin Owens versus Braun Strowman uh, earlier in the night, and that's for the money in the bank. Of course, the money in the bank changes hands by disqualification, count out, anything of those mm-hmm. lines. Anytime they're telling you that, you know that you got to watch out for it. But um, what? It's true. You're yeah, right. It's true. I, I One of my favorite things about that is that, I think it makes fans like us start to trip, try, try and become the smartest people in the room really quickly. Yeah. Where we're like, well, they're kind of telegraphing that Kevin Owens is going to win this match, right? Because of all these crazy rules. So, but that must mean well, yeah, right. that Braun Strowman, uh-huh. but if they want us to think that, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, 
they've managed to do they've thrown a lot into this into this match though to make it interesting yeah paul Heyman sort of hinting at an alliance and what i really loved was paul Heyman talking to roman reigns about traveling with sika and afa mm-hmm. like dude like the link between Paul Heyman and Roman Reigns, two guys that sit, you know, opposite in several, you know, uh, distinct ways in terms of wrestling and how we perceive it. Um, but, you know, an alliance there is a nice possibility. I, we could speculate, but this is a match that I'm looking forward to. And I think that they've done a really good job of, putting an amount of intrigue into it that, you know, we were talking last week, how are they going to do this mm-hmm. in the Barclays Center? And I don't, I'm not feeling that the same way I was last week. The the amount of time and, and different angles that they've added to this, it's almost, they've overloaded this match with potential angles of, uh, there's so many moving pieces here. The, initially, the, the problem that we had at WrestleMania where Roman and Brock just got booed out of the building. That problem was because there was only two outcomes there. Yeah. And only one of them seemed particularly viable, but neither of them seemed uh, all that uh, digestible for the crowd, right? Mm -hmm. In this case, there's 15 different outcomes. Yeah. And I think that, you know, WrestleMania had the problem of nobody wanted Roman and they've done a really good job of like kayfabe making people hate Brock Lesnar but also like real life people are starting to just tire of what Brock is doing with the belt and it's a really interesting change to chart because like really it happens just like overnight you know to me it was like everybody was excited about Brock Lesnar fights all the time and then all of a sudden people weren't anymore people Mm -hmm. didn't like that he was doing the thing that he'd been doing for the past year to me I I didn't really understand it um hey me either I think he's the best wrestler in the world you're the you're the biggest Brock shill that I know I can't think of a greater outcome to this show than for Brock to just win the match I mean could you imagine? It would be Roman winning. <laughs> no way. Brock will. So, but I think that that's the thing, right? Like everybody, nobody really wants Brock to win. Uh-huh. Nobody really wants Roman to win in his current incarnation. But we're given so many different options for either Roman turning or something wacky happening with Paul Heyman siding with one of three other men that could potentially be in this match. There's... New options for uh, some shield chicanery happening. There are two potential money in the bank run-ins that could happen. There's so much shit that can happen that would make a Roman Reigns victory palatable Uh to a Brooklyn audience here. That I don't think there's any way that he doesn't somehow come out on top. Yeah. In one way, shape, or form. Yeah. I think that like... I don't want to do. I really don't want to do predictions on the show sure. because there's so many like moving pieces here, and it's like you could very easily say like I think Kevin Owens is walking out yeah. with the belt, and that's like it, it's it, all it, fantasy booking at this right. point. Um, I the thing about it, and the thing that I think I can say, and I it's probably the best thing that I can say about it is that I'm really excited to see what happens. I'm really intrigued by it, and that's you know. I think that I'm optimistic with both of those guys, but I also think that they've done a really good job of selling this match. Yeah, I think more than anything, I'm interested to see how this match plays out. More than anything, I'm interested to see how it's received. Yeah. I think that's been the most interesting part of the Roman Reigns-Brock Lesnar feud of the last four years, how people are receiving those matches. I think it's one of the most interesting things in wrestling, and they've finally made a change to the formula of these matches. And I don't know what that means. I don't know if it's enough or if it's too much you know, or what. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, it's like, for me, it's like, it's making sense, but it was making sense for me at WrestleMania. And, you know, people, people have an intention um, to not like a thing. And sometimes there's just like, 
there's no way you can deter that. And then there, I think that there's also like the hive mind aspect of it. And there's also the fact that like you, you get people that like decide that like this is the cool thing to do. And they're like kind of in their own worlds doing it. It's like, you know, topical. But the CM Punk chants mm-hmm. going on. It's like, who's doing that? But everybody does it. Yeah. You hear a whole crowd do it when it happens. Do you think anyone's going to be doing it anymore? I don't know. When is the, what is the temperature on CM Punk right now? Obviously, Dude. he's pulling a dick move on his old good friend. I mean, in terms of Chicago, it's hard to imagine that there's a CM Punk chant ever again because Colt Cabana is a fucking beloved Do we get here. Colt Cabana chants now from here on out? I feel like that's the that's the best way to counteract it. That's kind of the the, you know, there's going to be CM Punk chants and then there's going to be people who boo it. But right. now rebuting that with a Colt Cabana chant, I love the idea of I've, that. I've been a pretty a pretty s- a long time defender of the punk chants. I've always been okay with them. I think, well, I think there's times when it's been like fucked up and uncool to do, but when people are going to be booing or causing shit in a match, I've always been fine with a CM Punk chant. Right. Now it's obviously like, and I've also always been opposed to the idea that this guy turned his back on, on you. He, this man fought against an unfair labor workforce and said fuck it to the boss yeah but then the boss gave him a whole lot of money and he was like yeah it's all right totally but i mean just the idea that uh at this point now he's just like screwing over other well-intentioned beloved wrestlers and now i think like this is the last straw for for me i mean i still would super pop if he showed up to a show i'd lose my mind but uh, as far as like any of the good grace that I might have left for him, it's kind of gone at this point. Hey, this is this is just the inevitable thing that happens, right? You just if if you're if you're in a a spotlighted position, the chances of you never turning out to be an asshole are so nil, mm-hmm. and. This is kind of, I think that this is kind of just one of those moves where it's like, yeah, we all knew this guy was an asshole. Yeah, if your shtick has been to be an asshole for your whole career also. And then he's just an asshole to like a guy that he's supposed to like care about. And it's like, fuck, dude, that's like, that doesn't come from, uh, from a guy that's got a very good heart in my opinion. And I think a lot of what is so, what previously was so lovable and identifiable about CM Punk was that he was constantly punching upwards towards larger power structures than himself. Yeah. And now he's punching downwards at someone that definitely does not make the same amount of money or has the same amount of fame or platform or power. And that is a clearly different, that's a different dynamic and a much it's a fucked up thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like turning your back on your friends or like just the people who, you know, you have a professional relationship with. Um, yeah. The Cold Cabana, Cold Cabana did a thing and he, and he did it with CM Punk and like, dude, I, I'm not sure like what the legalities of like, you know, saying that you will do something over a text message are, but I hope he fucking gets pinged for this. Like, yeah. Like, fuck that guy. He should definitely have to pay. Um, do you want to talk about Randy Orton? I guess, We're yeah. kind of here, right? So, okay. So the thing with Randy Orton that's interesting is, I know you and Pat talked about this to the on the one episode of the show I've right. listened to. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> You and Pat talked about the uh, the idea of, of being a professional wrestling fan being inherently paradoxical to to being maybe a progressive person yeah uh or having progressive politics but i think that that's obviously true i i thought that was like a really cool conversation to listen to and i connected with a lot of it but i think that this is the first time for me where someone has done something during the time that i've been a fan Mm -hmm. uh that hasn't been that's been fucked up. Uh, 
I, I mean, and then as soon as I say that, I realize that that's not true at all. Linda McMahon is in the White House. Uh, <laughs> but you, like a, <laughs> whatever tenuous bullshit that I've crafted together to make myself feel okay about watching this show has allowed me to get to a point where no professional wrestlers on screen talent have have done something that has been super objectionable that has that i haven't either like something like enzo was easy to immediately condemn and say yep fuck that guy right but what do we do with randy now well i'm gonna i think let me go about this from the position of like the the wwe and you know with that saying like this is not where i stand on the matter but this is how i see it playing out give the uh yeah the pr pitch the well you know internal from the forbes report it's like yeah randy orton is like shitty to uh to like uh female employees of the company like that's a that's part of it but like the most damning aspect of this is like randy orton like whips his dick out in front of like male co-workers right yeah in front of all sorts of co-workers okay. is it only males i thought it was like well, it all comes new from, like core bauer right 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 um and i think that like th- this is this is going to be one of those things where like you're looking at a company right now who is not in as progressive uh you know a, a state as say like the punk scene um so you know what you have here it's like this is this is bad shit but it's mostly like you know randy orton like whips his dick out in front of a bunch of like dudes or you know most of these are like male-on-male things and there's nothing that is like so overtly like it's not assault in the way that's just like randy orton like you know like drug somebody and and like defiled and like did a did an awful thing right. and again this is this is like me looking at it through the lens of like how larger corporate structures um from my you know my vantage point seem to handle these types of things unless you're like disney or you know you're 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 a corporation that has dealt with this on several different levels before and are under the scene and are under a like particular microscope the way that like you know i'm thinking about uh gun the uh, guardians of the galaxy director yeah said a like, bunch of fucked up stuff yeah said a bunch of fucked up stuff and and you know it just gets put into like the the court of public opinion and and what happens happens. And this is kind of a situation where like this isn't quite the damning court of public opinion. And this is also like a corporation that is just kind of on their own island. Yeah. Right? And, and, and from their perspective as well, the locker room and the, and the quote unquote, the boys in the back have been, this is, it's not like this is something new. Right. This is, I mean, when you hear stories about Ric Flair or even like, you know the the old the undertaker's court of like the backstage court whatever it was All called the like wrestling shit. court yeah. like this is this is nothing new but also can you imagine going to a job where somebody did this to you that would be so fucked up if on, would, in your first week of your right, job yeah. one of the biggest and most important revered highly paid people at the company pulled their penis out and like asked you to touch it I mean, yeah, and I I think that like I'm I'm looking at it and there's there's a part of me that's like, you know, I remember playing hockey when I was 15, like you know, those the, those things were were used like, you know, like whatever. But you know, as as a 30-year-old, like I I don't know what I would do, um, and you know that's I in my opinion like 
one, not surprised. Like this guy, yeah, this guy's been a first fucking. This guy's been a fucking dickhead since like day one. Like yeah. go back and look at what like this guy has said about like Kelly Kelly mm-hmm. and shit like that. Like it's, he's a fucking he's a he's a pig, and and he's gross. And I wouldn't want to spend any time with him in the in the real world. Um, I feel. I feel a little guilty about like the fact that I like have a Randy Orton, Randy Orton hooded sweatshirt, even if there's like levels of irony in there. Cause it's like, it's like this shit happens with people and, and you're like, yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised that you do that. And when you're not surprised about uh, somebody doing something like gross, they've probably done worse things that you're not going to know about. And you can probably assume that like, you know, these aren't these aren't good people. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny because like we've talked about on the show before how we've, you know, come to love Randy via irony. Uh and I mean like the fact that he's a pretty good wrestler and has done a lot of cool work in his day. But you know, when you say something like you're like you're not surprised, and we we both like pretty straightforward without argument agree that we're not surprised. Like that sucks that we've rooted for this guy or like yeah, like supported him by buying shit and and like you know, not just that's not to say that like we should be expected to know this, but it's just a bummer that we're like oh yeah, this guy is definitely a dickhead, and we've been celebrating him for that. Right, and yeah. that's a bummer. And, it, you know, I don't know. And also, I mean, there's something to see. Yeah, like when you talk about like a hockey locker room or whatever. I also think there's a difference between like goofy naked horseplay in a locker room than like walking into an office with your dick in your hand. Yeah. Uh, which just seems to be what was happening here. Yeah. Uh, but st- I mean... I don't know. I, I don't know. It's not, it's, it's, it's a really weird area. That's like definitely not the worst thing in the entire world, but also like that would be the worst thing that has ever happened to me in my job. If somebody did that to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, it would be, I don't know know what I would do. I don't know what I would do either. Um, I think that, you know, I, I think it's kind of just going to be, I think that the response that he gets is going to be kind of telling. I think that they are probably in a position where they're just like, yeah, we don't, we don't know what happened. We don't want to know what happened. Uh, and hopefully we don't have to acknowledge what happened. Um, and I think you kind of go from there. This is, this is, uh, I would say, yeah, it's kind of the first time that this has happened, like in this, like, this you know modern like me too form yeah and maybe this signifies a turning point of mentality around this like locker room behavior uh in terms of wrestling i mean it seems like obviously you can't do this in other sports and maybe this is going to be the thing that as it's been brought to light maybe it's the thing that convinces wwe that it needs to be cooler and smarter and and more proactively conscious about the way that its wrestlers act on their own and also within you know the spectrum of the entire business yeah and i think i think that these things too like kind of have it's interesting like the 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 lives that they kind of or just like the way that they work you know you look at like like Hannibal Burris is the one that sort of like kickstarts all the Cosby shit, even though that story was circulating for a really long time. It just so happened that like it was kind of right place, right time and right person. So I think, you know, it would be, it's going to be a different story if, if, uh, you know, the right people say something about it, somebody who's, you know, in a, position like court bowers it's not gonna move the needle quite as much as you know somebody with a, a more prominent place and like to be frank like a non-male sure and and it also i mean depressingly i think it needs to be framed in a way i think that's a lot of the issue here is the way that this is framed either uh 
from the presentational point of view or the way that people are absorbing. And I think a lot of people are just taking it in like, yeah, whatever. I've been in fucking locker rooms before. Right. I've seen a lot of goofy dudes do a lot of goofy dick shit, which sure, that's fine in a consensual locker room setting. And I don't know. And I think then also this can be framed in a way that's like, holy shit, this guy took his penis out at work. Right. Which is like the craziest thing anybody (laughs) could ever do. And so I, I really do think that this is like a, a situation of framing. And like maybe if I hear that that initial, I haven't heard the podcast. I haven't heard Court Bauer the way that he said it because this all came from a podcast Dude, he recorded three listen, years ago. Listen to like Pritchard or Bischoff and like the shit that they talk about. And right. it's, it's like you listen to it and you listen to like like fucking stories about Kurt Henning and you're just like, oh man, Mr. Perfect sure was funny. And what then, a goof. Right. And then just like change the name and change the environment. And then you're just like, dude, what a, terrible. what a fucking terrible guy. Yeah. Which is, that's sad that we have been, had this mentality, I yeah. think maybe. I think it's like for myself, a nice little uh, checkpoint to be like, okay, okay. Make sure you're yeah. uh, questioning the situation. Exactly. The settings yeah. of things. The, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I totally get that too. And it's, it's like, it's like, oh, you know, when I think about, like when I think about doing uh, something gross to you, I know that it would be funny. Right. But the reason I know that is because we have the relationship that we do and there's a there's a an, an agreed upon Tim put your consensual. dick away <laughs> all right you said you wanted to talk about the offshoot topics in the middle of the show so we sure we sure yeah did that. trying to sandwich them god yeah um hey ronda rousey is gonna kick ass this weekend oh Shoot, she's gonna be kick second ass. from the top this is this is the second main event of this you show think so? and you know what i was thinking about this too i was thinking about the fact that you you know i there's this is something that we've wanted for so long we've wanted women's wrestling to be taken seriously within this company within the greater landscape of of uh you know fandom yeah you got to have somebody that's at the top that's able to push it that extra that extra mile it's it's like there were a lot of good bands in Seattle in the late 80s and the early 90s but honey was cool but you know only one of them uh freaking made the record with the Fleetwood Mac uh mixing board and did that wonderful music video with that goddamn catchy song <laughs> Ronda Rousey. Ronda, Ronda Rousey is Nirvana. Ronda Rousey is is Nirvana's Nevermind of the women's revolution. It's gonna change things. Oh man, I don't. Yeah, hey, I don't disagree. Hey, here we are now. Entertain us. Nice. You see what that's I did good. There? Yeah, that's clever. Uh-huh. She's yeah right. I think that this makes sense. Put her on top of everything, and there's plenty of plenty of people that can be around that can keep feuds going with her that can keep her at the top of the card that she can keep fueling with you know bringing in what she's brought in from the outside world this crowd is gonna be fucking on fire it's so cool how much the crowd loves ronda yeah I, like, c- coming in initially it was seemed like it might be uh absorbed as some some sort of like a circus stunt or a bit of just like a payout um but no, Ronda kicks ass and everybody agrees. Yo, and like Ronda coming out on Raw this week, starting the show, her music hits. There hasn't been a reaction like that for a non comeback on Raw in fucking years. Not since I've started watching wrestling again. That is yeah. fucking attitude era level shit that's the fucking glass breaking and the crowd going fucking nuts at the top of the show for the person that they know they're going to see and this week ronda finally took the the microphone and did something with it that i think really moved the crowd and the crowd really bought into yeah that was fucking powerful right that was like 
not to sidetrack too too much, but like it's interesting growing up in the era that we have where my perception of Jim the Anvil Nightheart is Bret Hart's book where he buries him and fucking like Pritchard where it's the running gag is Stu Hart like calling WWF up and be like, hey, you got anything for Anvil? And, you know, the guy's like... He, he was in a great tag team, and then he was a doofus that couldn't hold it together for most of his life after that. And that's 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 how I've, like, perceived him since fucking 2010. And, uh, and then Ronda comes out and does this thing that's just like, fuck me. <laughs> this is a fragile existence that we've got here. Uh-huh. Friends. Yeah, she brings it into this very existential zone. If I'm not mistaken, Rhonda's dad also, uh, I think he committed suicide. Really? Yeah. And so just like her going through all of all of this like real talk for a, a good stretch was it was powerful, man. It, it's like a re- it, that was a real promo that I think brought Rhonda. That's the only thing we've all we've been able to criticize so far about her, right? Yeah. Like, She's got presence. She obviously can fight. She's, you know, wh- whatever, working on her in-ring skills, c- translating real fighting to fake fighting. Mm-hmm. But she hasn't been super good at channeling all of that onto a promo. And then this happened, and it was Some like... moment. Insane. It was yeah. so good to open the show. I, yeah. Yeah, it was just it was it was wonderful and it made me super hyped about this match. I'm I'm really excited. I think that I think that everybody is excited for uh Daniel Bryan and and the Miz on SmackDown. They really made this matter by breaking it up into the chunks. The Those were so did. good. Fucking fantastic. They've also done a really good job with AJ and Samoa Joe. Mm-hmm. Like there's some fucking there's stakes here. Um I think that like you know, coming out of SummerSlam, there's a lot of different trajectories for people to go, right? I feel like this is for for a lot of a lot of people, it's a it's a propelling upwards, and for some, it's just like, all right, this is kind of it for you. Um, so, like, who do you think who do you think has a, a good rising stock? going coming out of SummerSlam rather than just like talk about all of these like lower card matches one by one I'll start by saying that I think Seth Rollins is going to come out of here looking very very strong regardless of whether he's got that belt hey I mean Dean Ambrose his old pal is also looking very very strong right now you know what I will tell you I Jay uh, works from home on Wednesday. I got Wednesdays off. Wednesday is is Raw and SmackDown day. I'm in the I'm in the kitchen making coffee. This is the biggest pop that I've that I've seen from this person uh, with regards to pro wrestling. Is oh my God, Dean Ambrose is back! Ah uh, yes. Meets me in the hallway to be like, Dean Ambrose is back and he looks good. <laughs> He does. He looks great. He looks great. Oh, I'm so happy for him. It just, I don't know. I didn't realize how much I wanted him back. And and you know what? Seth looks good too because he's got that that real beautiful head of hair next to Dean, who's who's just, doing the Bruce Willis right now. Know, he's going. He's going for it. He, he gets it. He somebody finally told him. Yeah. You're not hiding anything with the with those like the forward that, that comb far back. Uh, peak that far back widow's peak that just like falls forward. No, 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 I wasn't a good look before. He looks great now. I, uh, yeah, I think, I think all four of those guys in that match, uh, Seth Dean, Dolph, and Drew are all only moving upwards. I feel like that, that there's a way to separate them and and set both of them on to good good things i wonder though too i mean it, i think i'm I'm ready for this to end but i also am not opposed to the idea that this thing gets messier between oh, yeah. them i mean they, I'd, I'd watch a couple tag team matches between them i'd be fine with that be good 
It would be good. I'm really excited to see uh, to see Dean working again. He looks huge. He's too. yoked, man. That yeah. guy looks awesome. Um. So yeah, you know, I think that uh, I I gotta think that I'm a little bit worried about where Nakamura's going. Mm-hmm. This is this is some floundering. This is like, all right, well, uh, we'll give you the the other belt, not the belt that you were trying to win we'll give you this one and pfft. and also do nothing with it yeah rough. i am ready for shinsuke nakamura to go back to japan i am as well you know who i think is gonna come out of this looking hot andrade i yeah okay right is this is this this match is on the pre-show yeah which i'm kind of bummed about uh but it, it still seems like andrade's in a bit of an evergreen state and he, and he could definitely just get pushed right up into a, an intercontinental or a universal or a United States championship match tomorrow. And it seems like by the next major pay-per-view, he could be, you know, I near the that, top of the card. I think that it's going to be slow. I think that, I think that he's just going to, they're positioning him really well with Rusev right now, and yeah. this is a this is a match too where you're not fully exposing him. He's gonna he's gonna get his spots in, but I mean we're building to Andrade's gonna have a match I think in the next like two or three months, probably on a pay per view that is going to make everybody say like Oh my God, like he hath arrived. I sure hope so. I. It takes it's they're taking their time, I, I think. I hope so. I you know, I think we haven't seen too many instances of slow burn NXT wrestlers working out. You know what? I I, I know that this is I'm I'm moving. I'm shifting a little Let's bit go. here. Watching that Velveteen Dream promo on NXT this week, and I'm just like Boy, they're gonna fuck this up. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I want him there forever. I just want him to do what he's doing forever. There's so many guys that are on that. Right? That that would be good, like separate show uh, of just like the people that we don't ever want to leave NXT. It's most of the roster right now, if I'm being honest. Everybody that's there is booked really well, and everybody it's just like man i don't I don't know where this is going for you up top. Well, the problem there's a problem. Ricochet's lone exception you, you think he's gonna be okay oh, he's gonna be great. Uh, yeah he'll be fine he'll be fine right and he's also a little bit older so he only needs a few years the the problem i'm thinking that i i think of now and then is the fact that every six months every year they move up two or three big names from nxt to the main roster and two or three big names don't completely leave the roster every year it, it, the the funnel in is too much from NXT. Yeah. Well, I do think that they've been doing a good like they've been expanding it. The fact that there's like the North American title belt now mm-hmm. and the way that they're kind of integrating like the UK promotion, I'm excited for Mustache Mountain oh, yeah, and the, the fucking Undisputed Era. Have you do you realize that like aside from Adam Cole, everybody in the Undisputed Era talks like a doofus. They all have bad voices. Just That's saying. true. But um, that ma- that match is gonna be fucking fantastic. Um, I think that I think that they're doing a good job, like kind of expanding NXT outward. Oh, NXT outward, I'm I think is totally great. I'm talking about NXT to WWE is where there's the issue. That there's too many coming in and there's not enough room for them. Yeah, that's where it happened to Bobby Roode and Shinsuke Nakamura. <sighs> yeah. And what I'm c- concerned about with CN. And I mean, I fucking watched uh, Tyler Breeze just like your best have, bud, oh, your pizza. Pizza pal. My pizza pal, uh, you know, he, he got he got beat up pretty good on Raw this week, and I that's the one. That's the one where I'm like, I'm looking at him, I'm looking at Velveteen, and I'm just like, oh god, no, don't let it happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, don't let it happen. I'm looking at this this uh, this the roster for the show, right? I'm looking mm-hmm. at the card, and there's I don't I can't even count. There's like f- six or seven nxt champs previous nxt champs that are on this card 
in very wildly different positions mm-hmm. uh within the uh within the uh order well i mean it's it's all like i feel like joe and owens are kind of like the most represent and finn are the most like representative but what about finn man oh man i don't know i don't know that's the real question here like that's why that's the this is the conversation i wanted to have yeah where is what is man finn is in a spot i don't understand and Finn is in the spot of the Finn and Baron Corbin, Corbin feud is a f- watching that not specifically because of these two people, but this this platonic spot in the card is just such bad wrestling. It is such bad programming. It's the kind of shit that I d- that is negative. It is a net negative on the wrestling world. I think not the, because of yeah. anything like you know super malicious or anything. It's just bad it's badly put together the the, those two just fight on smackdown or i'm sorry they fight in tag matches on raw every week and doing nothing absolutely i'm with you 100 percent there um yeah i don't i mean i sorry go ahead he's he's there there is there's literally not a thing that could be improved on this guy. He even got a tan. You see how tan he looked on He looks on great. He looks great. I, yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't know if he's sitting there kind of just like wondering like, all right, am I gonna, because he, you feel like if you're, if your champion is not on the show, that means that there's room for the, for somebody else at the top. But, I don't know. I think he's, uh, I think he's reached his height that's in WWE. I think that's true. Would love to be wrong. And I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it as if I'm right. I'm just like I'm I look at I look at guys like him and I feel like that they're just always going to be they're going to be saddled in a bad feud or they're going to be losing to somebody on the weekly program. That's all that they're gonna be doing. They're gonna be. He's he's always gonna be in the triple threat match for uh, the opportunity to face somebody else for the title shot. He's yeah. gonna look great, and he's gonna get pinned. Yeah, that's his spot right now. He's lower than the previous Dolph Ziggler spot, just one rung lower. But you know, we were talking about Becky Lynch like this. Finn, if he just starts winning. Or maybe he just says, "You know, I never lost that belt." I uh, yeah. That I think that's like I I I hate saying it because I think everybody says it, but he never lost the belt. Why hasn't he said that? That's true. He should definitely be. He fighting should go for rogue. He should just be like, "I'm looking back. I'm looking back to see, make sure that nobody's like, uh, you you know, I never lost this thing, right?" I think he could do it. Did you know I never lost? He, I mean, I recently watched that initial Bullet Club promo that he cut, and uh, that dude does a, a great job of talking real talk. He, all he needs to do is be given a microphone, and he can make that promo work. The, I think the real issue, and like, yeah, you're absolutely right. If he just starts winning matches, or if he just shows up in the title picture, that works completely, and the crowd buys it. I think the real issue here is that the way that he's been booked makes it seem like nobody has any faith in him that they will actually give him that opportunity at any given point in time. Yeah, and I don't know. I I really don't know because I feel like there there have been people in uh, the company who have gotten hurt and they've been able to uh, reclaim their spot and he's just, he came back and, and it just never happened. So... You know, I don't know. I I feel like he he might be one of those one of those uh, cases of just, you know, he's he's got a good entrance, he's got good merchandise, and he'll always have that. Yeah, I I hope something happens. Um, feel like we gotta we gotta wrap it up, but we should definitely talk about the fact that we got Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano mm. fighting in a last man standing match for the title. 
you gotta feel like this is the rubber match. Is this is this it? I think so. I'm wondering if I wonder because it seems like what I'm thinking is maybe they're toning it down. They're slowly pulling, like cinching the rope closer and closer. As initially it was like a not even a, a real match, right? We've got an, an unsanctioned match. Then we have a street fight. Now we got a last man standing match. Are we gonna get a pin? Are we gonna eventually get a pinfall to see that to see who really is the better wrestler here? Yeah, you know that's a good point. I'm not and, sure. I think this very well could be the rubber match. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I mean, the idea that the third is 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 the one, and that's kind of how it always seems to go in mm-hmm. like in like WWE. But I'm thinking about the fact that like Okada and Tanahashi have fought nine times. They could just keep. I mean, like if there's a feud that would break the mold of the. Uh, the fairness, the the back and forth three match traditional style. Why wouldn't this one? This could go for this could keep going. I'm not tired of this. And you know, I know I know that you didn't see uh NXT this week, but you know, this was supposed to be a triple threat with uh uh Alistair Black and Alistair Black uh had a, the old parking lot assault mm, and ouch. and this week they kind of investigated uh, who might have done this. Did they get to and the bottom they, of it? Well, they did this thing for like WWE Now where it was like an investigative report of like all the camera angles and you could see like who all is there. Is this like Clue? Yeah, it was a lot like Clue. It was super interesting. <laughs> oh, and cool. I can't tell if I liked it or not. I can't tell if it was just like, all right, this is just like way too cheesy. But, you know, it's kind of one of those like, yeah, but... Who cares? Like, I'll buy into this reality. Sure. Did we get an answer at all? Nope. And Aleister Black Mm. is obviously not fighting. Right. And we'll see what happens there. But uh, I'm not going to be able to watch NXT live. Why is that? It's our our anniversary. Oh, that's cute. We got a bunch of a bunch of anniversaries, but this is the this is the kind of this is the greed upon. This is the one that you decided upon. Do you want to know what I got her? What? Is it yourself? uh, Huh? This is the greatest gift of all love. I got her a $15 gift card to Best Buy. <laughs> oh, that's going to be good. What do you think she's going to get with it? Hey, she can cable? get whatever she wants with it. Yeah, it's true. You just buy something you that's like. That's why it's a good gift. And get a CD. She could probably get like, I haven't really looked at prices recently, but she could probably get at least 20 blank CDs. Oh, yeah. Maybe more. Yeah. So, you know, she can she can use it if if she wants to get more, she can use that and then she can like use some of her own money to get the uh the rest of it. But, you know, uh they got the the Eagles greatest hits there. So, that's like a two disc set though. I think that wouldn't be. Well, she could probably chip in another 7 bucks to pick it up. I, I mean, it's on Saturday. Of course, we get the Sunday catalog, so, you know, we'll see what we'll see what kind of options are there. Like yeah. I said, Whatever you'd like to get with it. Um, hey, this has been uh, postmarked uh, on watching ourselves watching wrestling. My name is Tim Crisp. This is my friend Scott. It's uh, such a good joke. Is it? Yeah, that's, that's a really good joke. Thanks, dude. I just just came up with it. Um, I, I was thinking about I was thinking about how I was gonna say <laughs> Hakas at the beginning of the show when I was sitting in. La Cachina, watching <laughs> watching this guy, y'all, y'all. I I stopped at the record store on my way home. You were recording late today. Yeah, ran in to just to just see if if a record was available. It was. I got it. I left. I go out. There's this guy that's sitting next to. It's not my car. It's Jamie's. Jamie's car, which is parked parallel uh, parked. Parallel parked uh, between a mini and an escort, and I I got it. Fit it in there? Uh huh. Or not a mini, a smart car. Anyway, there's a guy in the bike lane right next to me with his uh, double hazards on. Yeah. And so I go to get in Jamie's car. I just give a little like, hey, you know. And this guy, this guy, this sw- this sweaty, nervous, like, oh, I'm calling a tow truck right now. I'm calling AAA. Like, I don't even know if I can get the car to start. And he starts the car, and it just, oh, it sounded fucking terrible and 
And I was like, he was like, I'm on hold right now. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and he's like, I'm really sorry. And I'm just, I just like walked away. And then get this, get this. So I go to, I go to sit down. I have myself a flauta. I don't even ask for no cheese. Well, you went for yeah, it. I went for it. Well, and, hate and then, and, then, and then this guy, he comes in and he says, they said they're going to be a while. Did he come in to get food or just to he tell you that? He came in to get food. Uh-oh. He got off the phone, grabbed his laptop, and uh, and then they said they're going to be a while. And I just I just looked at him. And th- this whole time I'm sitting here, and this guy this guy's having a bad day. And I'm just in a position where I I'm just like, you know what? I'm not I'm not making you feel worse, but I'm not making you feel any better here. <laughs> I am not going to make you feel any better about this. That's so, true heel move. Just eat your flauta with a a just neutral look face. at him. And you know, and then he's he's down there. We're, we we go to the outlet at the same time so he can plug in his laptop and he's like he's like oh I can plug that in for you I don't say anything I don't need your help sir you know what he didn't even buy me a soda and then you know what he does he goes oh there's a mechanic shop right across the street is there, were they the ones that moved the car yeah hmm. mechanic comes out starts the car and moves it hmm. yeah and you know I I should say. Hmm. I didn't pay attention to the fact that there was a mechanic shop right across the Seems street. Seems like something you might have noticed. I yeah. So I'm not I'm not saying that I'm like a divine creature in all of this because I could have said, "Hey, you know, there's a mechanic shop right across the street." That would have been a good move. I w- oh I I you imagine how good you would have felt if you would have said that there's a mechanic shop across the street. He he doesn't even buy me a soda. <laughs> You're already eating. I ate my flauta. <laughs> they were uh, special. They were a dollar fifty nine, and then I paid with cash. And I texted Jay, and I was like, "I was like, oh, guess where I am? I'm at La Cochina. You want any flautas?" And she was like, "Yeah." And then you know, times out that then I'm like, "Oh, you want me to pick you up from the train?" And then she's like, gets on. And she's like, "Thanks. Where are the flautas?" And I'm like. You didn't get the flautas? It seems like... I used all of my cash and it was $10 minimum. You could have bought five flautas. It was $1.59 for a flauta. You would have had to buy like seven I would have had to buy a lot of flautas. But uh, hey, this is uh, this has been fun. I'm so glad that I'm so glad that you're here. This is the reason that we do it is because because uh, I, li- I like this guy so much. I just want to spend as much time with him as I possibly can, and we can just talk. We can just talk about our days, talk about our summers, and uh, get ready for for the the last great weekend of the summer of 2018. Because you know what happens. You know what happens on Monday, winter. It's just it's just going to be cold. Winter. Four more four more days of winter and it's going to last you the rest of your life. But we'll be back. We'll be back next week. We'll we'll have our parkas on and and we'll, we'll be here. See you then. Thanks folks. <laughs>